Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah. The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh-oh. Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number eight of the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. Drew Silva is on vacation this week, enjoying Cape Cod. So I have another one of our Roto World writers here with us this week, Ryan Boyer. Hello, Ryan. What's going on, man? It's good to be making my uh, podcast debut here. Yeah, and we had uh, we had a heck of a time getting our audio to work. <laughs> yes, we did. This is true. Uh, but you know, happy we could get that worked out and and to get Ryan on the show for the first time. Um, Ryan, I believe you've been with us here at Riddle World since I think it was the 2011 season. But correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, I think I started actually. Uh, on a freelance basis, I think it was 2009 when I was doing uh, baseball and and football stuff. Maybe it was 2011 where I officially moved uh, just full time to baseball. I can't remember. All the dates kind of run together at this point, but yeah, I think since 2009, uh, uh, at least on a on a part time basis. So right, and I think you came in because it was uh, around the time that the fan ball. You know, so Roto Pat came in, who of course does football stuff for us. I kind of remember, right, right. kind of remember you guys starting around the same time, but right, right, yeah, yeah. Roto Pat was actually, uh, I remember interviewing Roto Pat at the old, uh, the old fanball days. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we go back, we go back a little ways. Yeah, and and I should say that Ryan is yet another Cardinals fan here at oh. Roto World. So, you say it. So you say it like it's such a bad thing. Well, <laughs> I'm surrounded by him here. So I mean, Roto Pat's yeah. one too. Drew's one. So uh, just so many Cardinals fans. It's uh, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely part of uh, Roto World uh, West, I guess, here in, in St. Louis. So exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, a ton to get to before we get started. Just a reminder to for everyone to subscribe to the show on iTunes and also rate and review if you like what you hear. It'll help more people find the show. You can also listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Audio Boom. So you can really find the show everywhere. Um, so we're going to start out with the big news of the day. And that, of course, is Omar Infante signing a minor league deal with the Braves. Um, no, I, had to, I had to add some levity to the show at the beginning because it's a, it's a brutal day for fantasy owners. Dodgers ace Clayton Kershaw uh, hitting the DL. Uh, has a mild disc hernia- herniation in his back. It's his lower back. Won't require surgery, but going on the DL, they think he's going to miss more than the minimum time with this. So he could be out maybe past the All-Star break. We don't really know how this is going to play out yet. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a tough spot for the Dodgers, obviously. I mean, maybe that back injury is just him carrying the Dodgers to the first half of the season because <laughs> that's really what it's felt like, 179 ERA. Uh, he's just been amazing. To me, he's been the MVP of the National League so far, and maybe the MVP in fantasy leagues this year as well. So just a brutal situation right now. Yeah, it really is. Uh, 
Yeah, I guess Rosenthal tweeted out something about the epidurals generally for like a herniated disc type issue. I don't think the Dodgers, I don't know if they officially released exactly what the exact ailment is. Yeah, they just, they did just before we started recording about that. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a mild disc herniation is what it is. Yeah. Either way, it's, you know, we're looking at definitely more than a a minimum stay on the disabled list. Knowing Kershaw, I'm sure he'll do what he can. As you said, the, he's basically carried the, the Dodgers so far in the first half. I'm sure he'll do do what he can to get back as soon as he can, but we're probably still looking at conservatively, I'm guessing, a three to four week type absence. But I guess we'll just have to see how he recovers after that epidural. Right. And the rest of their rotation so far this season has a four three five ERA. And yeah. Yeah. That that's even with uh Kenta Maeda who's been really good. So it's basically been those other spots. But uh, Bud Norris to the rescue. Yeah, they they acquired Bud Norris today, and you know he's actually been surprisingly looking at his numbers today since he came back from the bullpen has been pretty good. Two one five ERA, twenty nine strikeouts, eight walks in around thirty innings. Um, so a useful stopgap piece, I guess. I know there there also has been some rumors about Erasmo Ramirez with the Rays, who's mostly pitched in relief this year, but we know he's been a a useful start a useful starting pitcher in the past so who knows that possibility could still be alive but still it's gonna be shaky in that rotation for a little while yeah i mean i agree that norris could be a, a decent stopgap kind of guy usually when you're trying to make those kind of stopgap situations you're looking for a guy who's just has been happened to be hot like the last two three weeks and norris qualifies for that but we're talking about a guy who hasn't really done much the last couple of years. I know he's produced a little fancy value in the past, but it's, it's been a while. Mostly against the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Bud Chuck Chuck Norris, I yes. believe, is the Bud Chuck hashtag. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he owned the Cardinals for a little while. And, and I used to own him. And I remember I, I got him in a score sheet league when he was first drafted and followed him really closely for a while. And he was a useful pitcher for a little while. And during this la- this last little run, his, his it seems like his velocity's up a little bit. So maybe he's held the velocity that he had when he went to the bullpen. Um, he's gotten a decent amount of swings and misses and ground balls. So that's good. He's going to be in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. But I don't know if this is someone you want to go pick up in a mixed league, maybe for a certain matchup or something like that. But I don't really think there's a lot of fantasy relevancy with him. Yeah, he's a he's a spot starter at best for me, you know. Yep. In a in a only value I could see, but I'm avoiding him in mixed leagues certainly. Right. So the question is if you're a fantasy owner and you have Kershaw right now, are you fielding offers? Are you are you just going to wait it out? What what are you doing? It kind of feels like a bad time to to sell him off now. Uh anytime there's an injury involved and in kind of a out indefinitely type timetable. I don't feel like you're going to get probably what he's worth. As you mentioned earlier, he's been arguably the the top, not only the top pitcher, but the top player period in fantasy this season. So, I mean, I'm if I'm a Kershaw owner, I'm probably just going to ride it out. Yeah, I think it. I think it is a forced hold situation unless somebody offered you someone that you feel is a 
you know, first or second round value and you really need a, a right. pa- you need power in your lineup or something like that. I really think sure. it's, it's just a force hold. It's unfortunate, but I think you just have to wait it out. But um, the other trade we saw today was Padres closer Fernando Rodney traded to the Marlins for prospect right-hander Chris Paddock. And to me, Rodney, he looked like one of the more vulnerable cl- closers in the majors coming into the season. But here he is. No doubt. On, yeah, here he is June 30th, 0-3-1 ERA in 28 appearances, <laughs> 17 for 17 and save chances. So great job by the Padres to, to turn him into an asset that, that could be useful down the line. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the Marlins. I would presume he's going to be a setup set guy there, but I guess you never know. Yeah, our uh, resident uh, fantasy Hall of Famer, Matthew Pouliot, I saw a tweet out that he thought actually that Rodney would take over as closer, and that would surprise me. I mean, Ramos has been pretty shaky at times, but he's converted all 24 of his save chances so far. I just can't imagine they would bump him to a, a setup role. After that, for a guy like Fernando Rodney, as good as he's been to this point, so yeah, I would count on Rodney being a, a setup guy. So as good as as kind of lucky as fantasy owners have got taking a light uh, late round flyer on him, uh, I would suggest that his fantasy you know, value is probably coming to an end at this point. Yeah, I think the only reason maybe you'd put Rodney in the ninth inning is because you don't want him to start. Uh, you don't want him to get coming to a critical situation with runners on base. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I could see that, but I mean, Ramos kind of has the same issues with his control. So right, right. I don't know. I I, I would probably bank on Ramos keeping the closer role, but I, I'm sure we'll find out in the next day or so what the what the situation is going to be. But as for the Padres. It seems like Ryan Buchter is the guy to stash here. Um, and it's pretty bad timing, actually, for this trade to go down because he had a terrible appearance Wednesday against the yeah, Orioles. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's Five hard. runs. Five runs, three hits, three walks, couldn't throw a strike, just retired one batter. It was just brutal. And his ERA went up from 160 to 291 in the span of one day. So, But still, I, I would think... I doubt one bad appearance is going to hurt his stock that much. Um, I guess you could say maybe Brandon Maurer is the other guy to consider here. Um, and he's right-handed, so he has that going for him. But he has a 5.73 ERA, um, which isn't great. His control has been shaky. He misses bats, and he's been a little better recently. But I, I think it's Bookter is the guy you want. Yeah, definitely in the short term. Um I have some doubts that is you know he's getting a ton of swings and misses, but he's also walking uh, quite a high number of guys. And Maurer's got the same same issues, but he's he's also walking a lot of guys and striking a lot of guys out. I mean, we've talked about how we expected Rodney coming into the season to be one of the first guys probably to lose his closure job, and I think most people would have said that Maurer would have been the guy to step in when sure. that happens. Yeah, Bookter was but, an unknown to me coming into the year, to be honest. Right, on a minor league deal, right, I guess. Yep. They signed him on, yeah. So I would, in the short term, yeah, I would go with Bookter, but I actually think that Maurer probably is a better bet in the long, in the long run, but I wouldn't have a ton of confidence in either guy, to be honest. Sure, sure. But I think both are worth a stash. If they're out there, take a chance. I mean, who knows how it's going to turn out. So Yeah, the, the saves are saves uh, tag applies here. So For sure. Okay, so we're going to switch gears to some starting pitcher talk. 
young starting pitchers. We're going to start with Aaron Sanchez uh, with the Blue Jays. Threw eight innings of one-run ball Wednesday against the Rockies in Coors Field of all places. So continues to impress. Three, uh, 3.08 ERA in 16 starts. He's been the Blue Jays' best starter so far, and the assumption has been that eventually he'll move to the bullpen. Uh, he's already at 105 and a third innings this year. Uh, through 92 innings in the majors last year, a few more in the minors. So he's already topped last year's total. Uh, in 2014, he threw 100, 133 innings between the majors and the minors. So, But the thing is, it seems that they're reconsidering whether they're going to move him to the bullpen. What, what's what's going on there? Yeah, I was surprised to read that. I mean, we're talking about just as recently as a couple weeks ago, they kind of backed up their stance all along that they're going to eventually send him to the bullpen. But, I mean, I guess as good as he's, and he's been outstanding, obviously. But we're talking about a guy who threw 92 innings last year. He's on pace currently to throw 213. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just not something that maybe they could space him out a little bit, skip him here and there, and push him back when they can. But, even if they do that, we're still going to be talking about, like, it's going to be hard when you're talking about a pace of 213, you know, if you skip them a few times, what, maybe if you're lucky, you can get them down into the 180, 190 range, and that's just still a huge jump up. So I would still bet on him eventually going back to the bullpen. And something else we have to consider is, like, we're probably weren't at the that close to the point where he would be going to the bullpen. So given the workload that he's already endured, as good as he's been, we could see him hit a wall at some point. So I think it's too premature to say he's going to stick as a starter. Maybe they're considering that now, but I I would still bet eventually he's going to go to the bullpen. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the safe play. And and hey, maybe the Blue Jays acquire another starter at the deadline and that makes it a little easier for them to make that move. Right. And and as a fantasy owner, if, if they keep pushing him into uncharted territory... You're right. Who who knows how he's going to hold up through that, um, especially pitching in the American League East, a hitter-friendly ballpark. So right. I think they should just use him responsibly for you know however many starts he has left. Is it you know five or six or whatever it is? I don't think you can really trade him in a fantasy league right now because everybody knows this looming shutdown's coming. So I think you just have to hold on him and kind of hope for the best, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised they've actually pushed him as hard as they have to this point. I figured they would have tried to space out his workload more than they have. I mean, he hasn't been skipped at all that I remember. So, yeah, like I said, I would I would still bet on a move to the bullpen at some point. Yeah, and we should probably talk about Julio Urias as well with his looming shutdown. It seems like every start we think he's going to get shut down, and then Dodgers is like, uh, actually, he's going to get one more. <laughs> Um, and it seems he's going to get at least two starts going into the all-star break. And now with Kershaw going down, I think that's a certainty. Uh, Brandon McCarthy, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, not quite ready to join the rotation. So it seems like he's going to get two more and then I guess get shut down after that. But, but who really knows? Yeah, it's kind of setting up at this point that going into the first half is going to be the last we're going to see him as a starter, at least in the majors, uh, I mean, he's already at 74 innings this season, which is only like 14 short of his career high. So it seems like they're, they keep backing this up at a necessity at this point if Kershaw wasn't hurt. 
Uh, I would guess that, and I would guess that Urias would probably be moved to relief or maybe back to the minors at this point. But it just seems like an in- inevitability. As as good as he's, he was pretty good in his last start. Walked six guys. He's flashed the upside that we all have heard about. Yeah. But through a hundred pitches too. Yeah, yeah, they which he's never done. Let, let him loose a little bit in the last start. Yeah, he's looked better, but I mean, not a guy I'm expecting a big impact from fantasy wise in the second half. But somebody we could get a big impact from, Lucas Giolito, made his major league debut Tuesday against the Mets. Unfortunately, it was shortened due to rain, so we we didn't really get to see much. Uh, through four scoreless innings, gave up one hit, uh, walked two, struck out one. Uh, was looking at Brooks baseball before we got started here. So he maxed out at 96.5 miles per hour with his fastball. Mostly sat around 95 miles per hour. We've heard a lot about the curveball with him. It's been a really nice pitch. He broke off a few good ones. Um, I was watching the game because I'm a Mets fan. And uh, he did leave a couple pitches up that I think could have been hit hard. But the Mets aren't hitting anybody these days. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to gauge ultimately what, what he did with that start. It was only four innings. He didn't get to face the lineup the third time through. So I would have liked to have seen more. Now, the thing about Steven Strasburg, of course, he went on the DL with his upper back strain. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to be back when he's first eligible. Um, so it seems like Giolito, maybe he'll get one or two more starts. It, it seems like at the very least, that's what it'll be. But when Strasburg comes back, whenever that is, maybe, maybe they'll hold him out until after the all-star break. Who knows? Um, that Giolito would go back to the minors. I don't know though. Yeah. I think it's still to be determined. Uh, if he gets, I guess they're officially listing Sunday starters to be determined still, but Baker kind of heavily hinted that Strasburg wasn't going to be ready and that Giolito would probably get another turn. And I don't know, Gio Gonzalez has been really bad lately. Yes, yeah. And the thing with him is uh, they, I think the Nationals have a team option on him for next year. Yes. And maybe, maybe like a vesting option the year after that. So they're mm-hmm. not committed to him beyond the season. And Baker's a new manager. I don't know if he feels, you know, committed. You, you know, he's a, Gio's a, a veteran starter, but he's new to Baker so he, all he's seen is an in, inconsistent guy to this point. I mean, if Giolito pitches really well for, say, two to three starts and Gio Gonzalez doesn't turn it around, I don't know. I, I think we could see Gio, Giolito stick in the rotation. He's on pace only for 150 innings right now, which is kind of in the ballpark of what they want to keep him at. So he's not really facing any, any workload issues at this point, and if he does stick in the rotation at I would see them maybe skipping him once down the stretch, but I don't think that's going to be a major major hurdle as far as whether he would potentially uh, replace Gonzalez. So I think it's still to be determined, and we'll just see how both of those guys pitch over the next couple weeks. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, Geo has a start Thursday night against the Reds, so we're recording early Thursday evening, so we'll have to see how that plays out. I guess... The Nationals have a nice little cushion in the National League East now, so they can afford to play things safe with Strasburg if they want to hold him out for another start. It wouldn't really hurt him that much. They don't really have the sense of urgency to rush him back. And I'm sure they'll give Gio a little bit more time. Um, you know, he he has that track record. I think they'll give him a chance to turn it around at least. And maybe he could turn himself into a useful trade piece. Who knows what they could do there? They're still 
a long way to go before the trade deadline, which this year is actually August 1st. Um, but now we're going to make a shift over to Panic City, which is where the Mets reside, <laughs> um, and talk a little bit about their pitchers, Steven Matz and Noah Syndergaard, dealing with bone spurs in their elbows. Now, Matz seems to be more serious than Syndergaard. Um, John Heyman, who you know was from MLB Network, and now he's writing for today's Knuckleball, he reported Thursday morning that Matz was seriously considering surgery uh, before he met with Team Brass, and I guess they kind of talked him down and said, you know, this is something you can potentially pitch through. Um, now, Syndergaard's start earlier this week, uh, he was still throwing his usual velocity, which is not usual for most people. He was throwing 99, 100. Um, the results weren't really there, but the fact that he still had that velocity has to make you feel a little bit better. Um, but Matt's most recent start, and again, he's another guy who's pitching Thursday night, so we'll see how it plays out. Um, he he was not looking so good. Only had two swinging strikes against the Braves. Uh, a little bit alarming. Uh, I, I don't really know what to do with him, but I'm concerned. Yeah, as you said, the Matt situation is a lot more concerning, it seems. Uh, I guess Sandy Alderson said that the the bone spur, bone spur for Syndergaard was quote unquote not significant, uh, and like you said, his velocity was really good really good earlier this week. Uh, but Matt's has been pretty bad over the last couple of weeks. I guess once since the elbow started bothering him, and he's also got an injury history. So right, right. and it's doubly concerning when you know the Heyman report comes out comes out that you mentioned. I mean he's basically committed well we shouldn't say basically committed but maybe leading towards surgery and then sits down with the Mets brass and I guess they talk him out of it 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 seems kind of like a well why don't you just give it one more one more chance and if you're still have pain after this next start we'll shut you down have surgery I mean maybe I'm reading too much into it but Mm -hmm. yeah the mat the mat situation is really concerning I would definitely be nervous if I'm a mat's owner yeah, I, I read a story from Mike Petriello of MLB.com today, and he was looking at Matt's spin rate and his extension from his most recent start, and it was different than his previous start. So you kind of wonder, is he you know changing up his mechanics because of the elbow? And that's something that could cause another injury. Right. Um, so you're holding on to him. You're hoping he can pitch through this. The Mets are hoping he can, he can pitch through the situation, but... Uh, if his effectiveness isn't there, you know, in the end, is it really worth keep putting him out there? I, I don't really see that. I, I think we could see a quick decision with this relatively soon. And I think if you own mats, you know, you have to be ready uh, for a possible shutdown or surgery. And if he does have surgery on that elbow, he'll be out the rest of the year. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was a report from the New York Post uh, when this first stuff first came out that said, Maybe he could come back like late August if they had surgery right away, but that's probably meaning like he could return to a mound at that point. I would guess. Yeah. So I, I would think if he had surgery pretty soon, at best he would come back as a reliever like late in the season. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Right. And with Syndergaard, I it is less of a cur- less of a concern. Um, 
But as, as hard as he throws, I think it's just always going to be in the back of your mind that something could happen. But I'm not nearly as worried about him. And with the concern and paranoia this week, this might actually be a decent time if you have the depth and bats or something like that to maybe make some offers and see if you could pick him up. It's a risky move, but I think it could be worth it. And we should note that a lot of pitchers do pitch through like bone spur issues. Sure. I, I know John Lester has been d- dealing with one for years now. The Cubs even knew that he had a bone spur before they gave him $155 million, and he's been fine so far. Right. So it, it is something. It, it just varies on a case-by-case basis, and it definitely seems that Matt's is the one to worry about. Mm-hmm. But Syndergaard should probably be okay. I mean, who really knows, but that's what it looks like. Um, so another Mets storyline, Jose Reyes uh, coming back from his domestic violence suspension. He's one for 13 over four games in the minors since signing uh, his minor league deal with the Mets. Um, he's in double A right now. And the thought that he, the thought is that he could be up with the Mets in the next three to six days. Um, 33 years old and 709 OPS over the past two years. So kind of below average offensive player. So not the hitter that he once was, but still stole 24 bases last year. Um, and in a time in the game when speed is down and fantasy owners are looking for speed, I think he has a chance to be relevant again. And what are you thinking with him? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, and, and Collins is already, correct me if I'm wrong, he's committed to putting Reyes in the leadoff spot when they bring him up. Yes. So, And when you're also when you're talking about as you mentioned before, the Mets offense really scuffling. A lot of the time, they'll uh, to try to get something going. They'll they'll run a lot more, which obviously plays into Reyes's hands well. So the can't still first base thing applies here. But <laughs> but if he does get on, I do think he'll still run. So and with steals being down around the game across the board, uh, you know, thirty steals in two thousand fourteen, twenty four steals in two thousand fifteen. It certainly wouldn't surprise me at all if he winds up getting 15 to 20 stolen bases down the stretch, mm-hmm. and that's going to be valuable. It, score a decent number number of runs. That's going to be valuable even if he's you know not hitting for any power, not hitting for average. So I think he's worth stashing if he's still out there in your league. Yeah, I I believe David Wright still leads the Mets in stolen bases. <laughs> like. I could <laughs> I could be wrong about that. I think he has four stolen bases, and then. Wow. Uh, I think Deaza has three or something like that, but it's speed has been an element that that team's really been missing. So I expect when he joins the team, he's he's going to be the regular leadoff man. And, and Curtis Granderson, assuming he gets over his calf injury and move to the middle of the lineup, they're going to be aggressive trying to create some runs. So I expect him to be run and to run and be aggressive on the base path. So definitely if he's out there in the waiver wire, give him a shot, see how it plays out. Shortstop's a lot deeper than it used to be. Um, but I think he can fit as a middle infielder type of guy, something like that. Yeah, I totally agree. I've I've actually stashed him. I ended up stashing him and then dropping him and then stashing him again in our friends and family league. So yeah, and I've completely collapsed in that league. By the way, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, I'm actually sitting in first now, but also uh, I believe I was in first. I want to say about this time last year too, and ended up in fourth. So we'll see. Yeah, and I have Kershaw too. So it's it's been a bad time for me. I've made some terrible moves in that league. I have to yeah. say, I drafted well. I actually drafted Jonathan VR. I was like really op- nice. really optimistic about him coming into the year. I drafted Rajay Davis. 
Um, but I dropped them both within a couple weeks into the season. And I, and I also had Carlos Beltran in the first week of the season and he didn't like do anything. And I was like, ah, he's kind of fringy mixed league at this point. And then he went off as soon as I dropped him too. And all three of those guys, if I had them right now, I'd be sitting pretty, but, uh, drafted well, just not making good in season moves right now. So, oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But sitting in first now, but we'll see. Um, finally, we're going to talk about the Cardinals' closer situation. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal pulled from the role over the weekend. Has just been a brutal month for him. Uh, ERA of eleven in thirteen appearances in June. Uh, the control's been bad all year. Uh, at least has back-to-back scoreless appearances under his belt, but has allowed two hits in each of them. Um, I know Sonwan O oh and Kevin Segris have been the popular pickups this week, but how do you see things playing out here? Yeah, I think it's going to be O. Oh. Uh, the Cardinals haven't had any save chances right. since since Rosenthal got demoted, but they have had a couple uh, kind of closer-type situations where you would normally use your closer, like tie games late, and O oh has been used in both of those. He's actually was shaky both times, Uh he escaped a bases loaded jam in that first appearance and gave up an unearned run, I believe, last night, but that was created on his own throwing error. And in those same games, Segrist, I think, was used in the sixth inning in the first game and the seventh inning the other game. So I could see Segrist, uh, if the opposing lineup has lefties due up in the ninth, maybe he's going to you know, get a chance in that situation. But it really sets up for O to take over the closer job. Obviously, he has plenty of experience sure. in the past and in Korea and Japan. And I actually think kind of an underrated thing about this that could out, could actually work out well is he's been used a ton. He's on pace for 82 appearances, which is like 20 more than he was ever used in Japan and Korea. And generally, 7th and 8th inning guys are used more than closers. We can have a different conversation about how that's kind of silly but (laughs) but yeah i think actually using O in the ninth inning and kind of hitting the brakes a little bit on his number of appearances could actually work out well for the cardinals in the long run give give kind of rosenthal a chance to work things out in like the seventh inning no that makes sense that makes sense so we have time for two questions from the roto world mailbag remember you can always get in touch with the show by emailing RotoWorldBaseballPod at gmail.com. Again, that's RotoWorldBaseballPod at gmail.com. Our questions this week come from Twitter. Uh, this first question is from Crockauer, and he asks, is Diamondbacks third baseman Jake Lamb going to be a beast all season, or do you see him as a sell high? I, I see absolutely no reason to sell high. Uh, he's always hit in the minors. I think kind of the one thing that people were waiting for is for his power to come around because I want to say his career high in the minors was 15, but he already hit 17 home runs this year. So the the power is there. The raw power has always been there. It's finally showing up in his home run totals. He's in a great spot, both playing his home games at Chase Field and hitting in the middle of that lineup. I I mean, I I see no reason to, to sell high on Jake Lamb. Yeah, I, I remember early in the spring, or maybe it was in April, Eno Saris of Fangraphs, he did a P, or an interview or something like that, and Jake Lamb was saying that he changed his swing mechanics um, during the offseason, and really, I think the results speak for themselves, but I also think there's sort of been a change in his approach. He's 
He swing, he's uh, pulling the ball more. Uh, and pulled fly balls are a great thing for power, and we've seen that with him so far this year. And he's in a great ballpark for offense. He's in the middle of that lineup. He's just 25 years old. I, I think you should always be flexible. So if you have depth in, at third base or in power, I, I would explore it um, and always be open to a deal. But he's not someone where I'm looking at him like, man, this is a fluke. I got to get rid of this guy. I think he's for real. Yeah, no question. Um, and our last question is uh, about D Gordon. Uh, it's from Polster Thirty Eight. He's basically just asking uh, when is D Gordon coming back and what we can basically expect from him. I believe it's July twenty eighth that he's eligible to return from his suspension. So less than a month away. Yeah, less than a month away. And the All Star break in between as well. So it's it's going to sneak up on us. Yeah, and honestly. Who knows when you're talking about a guy coming back from a PED suspension, if it's going to affect his numbers that way. But I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty much counting on him being the same player that he was. And we just got done talking about speed being down around the game and recommending Jose Reyes. So it's hard to say that and not recommend D. Gordon. So if he's out there in your league, then obviously I think he's a definite stash for me. Yeah, I saw a story. Uh, the Marlins president of baseball operations, Michael Hill, said that the team plans to be creative when D. Gordon comes back. And I don't really think that means that D. Gordon's going to lose playing time. But I think he's talking about Derek Dietrich because he hasn't providing a lot of fantasy upside right now. But he's hitting for average. He's getting on base. He's been a useful piece for them. So maybe Gordon will, mo- will lose a starter to a week or something like that. But I think they'll try to mix Dietrich in at third base and the outfield and things like that. So I don't think it's going to have much impact on Gordon. I think the thing about Gordon is right now we're seeing fantasy owners stash players like Trey Turner and Alex Bregman, and we don't know when they're going to be up. So you're you're just stashing on the chance that they're going to provide value during the second half. We know what D Gordon can do. He has that track record. We know he can make an impact. And this is a guy He's available in about 40% of Yahoo leagues right now. So there's a decent chance if you're in a shallow mixed league, a 10-team league, that he's still on the waiver wire wire right now. I think you have to pick him up. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, he's going to get basically two, a little more than two full months, you know, after he comes back from the suspension. And yeah, it's a good point on on Dietrich, but I would still suspect that Gordon's going to hit leadoff, you know, six days a week, five days a week at least. So I'm expecting regular things from D Gordon over the final two months. Yeah, I guess the the one interesting thing to think about is that uh, the Marlins are actually contending for a wild card spot right now, and Gordon won't be eligible for the postseason. So I don't know how they're going to play that. Like down the stretch, do they want to give Dietrich more time if they would have to rely on him in, in the playoffs or – do they want to use Gordon to get them to the playoffs? So something to think about for the future, but I think that's a little bit interesting. Um, but that'll do it for us this week. Uh, again, please make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and also rate and subscribe, uh, rate and review rather. Uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Audio Boom. So no matter what device you use, you should be able to find us. If you're into the NBA, check out the Roto World Basketball podcast this week. The Roto World Basketball crew are looking at rookies from the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. They did one podcast for each, so be sure to check that out. 
You can find me at DJ Short on Twitter, and you can find Ryan at Ryan P. Boyer on Twitter. Have a nice holiday weekend. We'll see you next time.